Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Tennis Bets on day two of Indian Wells, wrapping up round one action. I'm Gil Gross, joined by Zach Cohen, Tennis.com gambling writer, Kenny Ducey, who you can find at Patreon.com backslash Kenny Ducey, and Brett Connors, host of the Advantage Connors podcast. Can't wait to get this going, guys, and uh, let's have some fun over the course of the next 30 or so minutes uh, talking Indian Wells on day two. We can dip into tomorrow maybe a little bit, but mostly looking at today. Uh, play is already underway, and uh, that's actually... Well, let's start with the conditions because I'm I'm just curious to kind of do this round table style to start with the conditions at Indian Wells. How close is is this from a handicapping perspective just to clay? Like Zach, do you look at a guy like Albert Ramos Vinolas, who we obviously give a, a bump on clay? Do you just look at this as clay or is this still a little bit under that scale of helping a guy like Ramos Vinolas? Yeah, it's funny you use that example because that's exactly who I would have used if I were talking about it. But <laughs> yeah, I, I almost look at it exactly like a clay court tournament. You know, when I'm handicapping it, I'm getting it out of the way where, you know, it is a hard court, but I'm really am looking at it as if it's clay. Kenny, you, you there as well? Yeah, I would say that's precisely how I look at it. You know, and I think that a lot of, you know, even just watching uh, the first match that I watched here, you you forget, I think, over the course of a season how slow these courts are, but watching uh, Kovacevic play Marco Skiron, the amount of shots that they have to hit before finishing a point. You know, I think that's something that a lot of these guys, especially coming from Acapulco, are just not used to. So, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much handicap it just like a clay court tournament. And, you know, you also want to factor in for the high bouncing courts as well. Um, so, yeah, but uh, any look, I mean, if you want to do the whole show on Albert Ramos Vinolas and kind of do a, a career remembrance and the 35-year-old, I mean, we forget about how good this guy. No, I'm kidding. But I do love Albert Ramos Vinolas. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, it, it does make for a very, very unique tournament, though. Yeah, he did beat Federer in Shanghai while we're on the Ramos Vinolas topic. Do we have Brett Connors? Brett, can you hear us? Yep, I got you guys. You, you have my audio? Uh, we yeah. do have your audio. You're, okay. We have also a nice little screenshot of you like you're a, Frozen. a statue in the wax it Looks museum. like there's one light on in the background. One yeah. light. That's all, that's all they gave me in here. I'm, uh, I'm actually down in Indian Wells on site. The weather is beautiful, uh, warm, about 77 degrees. Conditions look nice for some tennis. You guys were talking about the conditions the last couple of years. The court has been super slow. Uh, happened to bump into Ray Moore, former tournament director. And I kind of asked him, I said, Ray, courts have been slow the last couple of years. Have you guys done anything to try and change that? You know, because I know a lot of players complained last year and, and the year before a little bit. And he said they tried to, to speed them up a little bit by taking some of the sand out of the paint. You know, that's how they speed, speed mm -hmm. or slow down the court with, uh, with extra sand in the paint. I don't know, though. What From what I've seen so far, like you guys were saying, it still looks like they're playing pretty gritty out there. So we'll have to see how it goes. Okay, that's interesting. So maybe a, maybe a hair quicker this year. Uh, looking at the scores right now on day two, it looks like Mackie McDonald is going to take out 
Uh, Philip Krajinovic and Jack Draper is serving for the match against Leandro Reedy. Vavrinka is out there against Vukic, and it might be a set of piece there. Um, and then uh, on the women's side, you have Para and Bronzetti. I want to key in, and Radu Kano is going to come on uh, soon, and we're going to get to her. I want to key in on uh, Draper Reedy. This is, uh, you know, with with all of the seeds having buys, we do get to look at a couple of players uh, on the first two days that are yeah. high upside guys. I think Draper is is one of them, but he hadn't played since the injury at the Australian Open. So that's one of the players. It's like, oh, how is he going to look? Where's he going to be at? And he is crushing Leandro Reedy right now. It's Zach. nice. It's, it's nice to see it. Sorry, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> Yeah, I went against Draper in this match because I, 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 you know, yesterday I picked against Monfils, just kind of the angle of these guys I've been playing in forever. We haven't seen them in a long time. I really regret it instantly because, uh, you know, the line moved from like minus 145 to minus 170 just before the match. And uh, he's he's not missing at all today. Yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, look, when he is, and I was a little fearful of myself, I kind of left this match alone because I wasn't sure what to expect from Jack Draper. Gil knows firsthand how much I love this kid and how much I love his game. But, you know, these are definitely adverse conditions for him. We've seen him perform on very, very fast surfaces, but we have a very limited sample to work with uh, on slower indoor hard courts, on clay courts, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I think that it was probably smart to, you know, maybe maybe lay off this one, but definitely nice to see. I mean, he has a ton of talent and, it's only a matter of time before he has that first big tournament of results. And uh, maybe a quarterfinal here or something like that uh, would be something to get Jack Draper going this season because I do think that this could be a very big season for him. Uh, but he's got to stay on the court, and he's also got to play to his strengths. And the, the draw is going to have to kind of work in his favor. I don't know if you guys remember, like, Yannick Sinner's first year, first two years, really. But at Grand Slams, he kept getting awful draws. And so sometimes it just is a matter of timing. So we'll see how this this draw kind of shakes out, but uh, maybe Jack Draper's a guy that could benefit from you know some injuries, some guys kind of uh, fluctuating with their form. He just won his match. It's over six one six one. Dan Evans is next for him, and Dan Evans won't really like these conditions. You wouldn't think uh, so. Potentially, Draper could be one to watch moving forward. Let's uh, move on to. What we have ahead on day two, want to start with Emma Raducanu, who's very much in the Jack Draper vein of uh, being a, a bit of a, a health mystery as we take a look at today's uh, schedule on Tennis Channel. Brett, want to go to you on Emma Raducanu. She is a, a favorite, quite a, a quite a hefty favorite against Donka Kovinich. You can get Kovinich at plus 155. What do you make of Radu Kanu uh, coming in with health concerns and being this big a favorite? We might not have Brett. You, you got not, me mu- not much, apparently. You got you got me. Sorry, sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely avoid her. We haven't seen her play in a while. Um, Kovinich definitely has a little value. You have to think that that match might go back and forth. Uh, Radu Kanu doesn't hold serve that often since there's, there's going to be some breaks. But I would stay away from putting any money on her just until we see a little bit from her. How does she look? And with the health injuries, uh, with her injuries lately, we don't know what she's going to look like. And and it's going to be long, gritty points, grinding points. So that can uh, take a toll on you. I kind of, 
Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of like Kovinich in this spot. She's obviously a very accomplished clay court player. Uh, you know, you, you guys kind of alluded to it, but kind of a, a wishy-washy season so far, but not going to be afraid of the moment. You know, I think there's going to be, uh, obviously she's going to be playing, I would assume, on uh, in front of a big crowd, a big pro Raducanu crowd. Uh, we saw her last year at the U.S. Open. I thought she handled herself very well against Serena Williams. Played a pretty good match, um, but, you know, Serena obviously uh, in front of that crowd in the biggest tennis stadium in the world with those conditions with, you know, at her final slam, probably, uh, you know, it was it was just too much to overcome. But I think that she ended the season very well, a trip to the final to end her season on the clay court. Um, and, you know, if we're handicapping this, just kind of similar to a clay court match, uh, you know, Raducanu as well is someone who loves to take the ball early and really just likes to finish points quickly. So I don't think she's going to like these conditions. I think there's definitely a lot of value in fading her in this match. She even changed her technique on her forehand this year where she's really shortened up the swing. And I was actually talking to to some people who are, are close to her and people who I trust on technique. And, and they were telling me that she's going to struggle more with this new forehand to generate pace. It'll be good for redirecting. It'll be good on quicker surfaces. But it, there's probably a little bit less power, uh, at least coming from, from her own racket, especially off balls that are coming in a little bit slower. So that's another interesting thing. I would agree on, on Kovinich here. And uh, like the, the tune on Radu Kanu coming in has been that hopefully she will play. Like that has been her status. Hopefully she'll play Indian Wells. And with all of the recent withdrawals that she's had, and some of them have been due to things like illness, not even like uh, traditional injuries, I feel like she's probably feeling the pressure just to get out on the match court. And it's, it's not a situation where I'm like, oh, if she's, she'll only play if she's a hundred percent, I'm not there. I think she might play if she's only 70% uh, because she's had so many withdrawals recently and she is, you know, in California at Indian Wells. It's come all this way. Actually, it's actually a really good point, Gil. I was thinking about this when watching Jan Leonard Struff looked like he might've had food poisoning in the first set. This guy looked awful. Uh, and I was thinking, I mean, he looked, he took the second set, so we'll see what happens in this third. But I was thinking to myself, I'm like, why is he even out there if, if he's, you know, if maybe he's, he's not a hundred percent, but as you mentioned, like a lot of guys like that, you know, uh, you know, you haven't played a lot, whether it's Radakan who just hasn't played or, you know, someone who is trying to get back into the top hundred, there's a lot of different reasons, but this is a very important tournament for points and for money. So you know, you have to you have to take that in consideration. And I don't think that you can blame a player for uh, trying to push it. You know, you know, Carlos Alcaraz, maybe that's a different story. But, you know, it, it is it is important to always remember, like the stakes of this tournament, especially getting your season started off right. Uh, points expiring at the beginning of the year. You don't want to let too many go by before you have a big result. So um, there's there is a lot of pressure involved in this tournament for sure. And, and we saw it all on a break point. And Kovinich, you can get her at plus three and a half and a pretty good number too, plus three and a half games. And yeah, just uh, even bad form. I'd rather recent match play over someone that's not playing. Yeah, good point. Um, there's a lot of injury stuff that that we'll be monitoring throughout the week. You mentioned Carlos Alcaraz, the top seed on the men's side. He's got the hamstring. Stefano Tsitsipas in his press conference yesterday Flat out said, I don't think I can go deep in this tournament because of the shoulder injury that he went public with after the Yannick Sinner match in Rotterdam. So while I don't think the tournament has been hit with a lot of withdrawals, there still is a lot of situations like that that uh, I'm sure we'll be watching and talking about on tennis bets uh, throughout the week. Let's go to another women's matchup that you did see on Tennis Channel's featured schedule. This is a match that last I checked, completely even odds. Sloan Stevens, Sophia Kennan, Mercurial, unpredictable performers that have had some 
very, you know, up and down career paths. Brett, what do you make of this Stevens Kennan head to head? Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, both haven't been good lately. Um, Stevens, I did notice last week when she played Taylor Townsend, she kind of got up for that match. So I think when she plays another American player, um, you know, she, she kind of brings a little bit more effort to the uh, the table. I'm interested to see how Kennan plays. She's been away. She kind of shows little bursts here and there where she wins a couple matches and we kind of think she's back, but then, you know, disappears and, and then we don't hear from her. So it's hard to say even having delay a little bit on both sides is, is no fun. So maybe wait and see if somebody goes down and, and try and get on uh, on the side you like at a better number. But I don't really have a feel for that one, to be honest. Yeah, I wrote that one up for ten- I wrote that one up for tennis.com, by the way, which was, you know, a tough one to do, but it's a high high profile match, two Americans, two former Grand Slam champions. But it's like, you know, they're so themselves at this point. It's hard to even see the major winners in them. But I do think that Stevens is playing a little bit better right now. She's won two matches at each of her previous two tournaments. And you know, she's just a little bit better of a mover, and I think she has a little bit better of an on-court attitude. I can see the conditions here kind of getting to Kenan and then her getting frustrated and start spraying errors here and there. Yeah, it's it's a hard match to predict for sure. I actually think Kenan's really impressed me. I've liked what I've seen this year from her, um, and I think that this is a tournament that just – I think this is a win that she needs more than Sloane Stevens. So, I mean, maybe for that reason, I would maybe lean towards Kenan. But, I, you know, the more that you talk about how you see this match potentially – unfolding in your head which is always important when you're trying to predict the outcome you got to just kind of play it in your head yeah i can i can see i can see kenan just finding a lot of alleys with loose backhands and uh it could be it could be kind of a nightmare and, and sloan also is kind of sick on uh, slow, slower surfaces i know that we always think about her because she's got a ton of power she won the us open but uh she kind of can really carve out some 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 pretty pretty devastating shots from the baseline on these slower courts so i think it's going to be a really interesting match one worth watching and as brett said the best bet probably just take whoever drops the first set to win this match or maybe whoever drops serve force uh first to to win the set or to win the match because i think that's probably the best way to play it you definitely have to be careful with sloan in first rounds Uh, i feel like once she gets into a tournament it's a little bit easier to back her we saw her have an interesting season uh last year where she and yeah i do i do believe she just lost back-to-back quarterfinals so that kind of goes against what i'm saying but we saw her get to a Roland Garros quarterfinal. We saw her get to a quarterfinal at Guadalajara too, which was a WTA 1000 events. So these little, uh, or I, sh- I should say these big results here and there have kind of sustained her more than that kind of week to week consistency of getting through round ones. Uh, but I, I would agree uh, with Zach that stylistically, I kind of like Stevens in this staying consistent, keeping the ball in the court, using her legs, making Kennan finish through her on this slow a court. That feels like Kennan to me, especially uh, if this match is is played later in the afternoon towards the night uh, where the temperatures drop. And I think we saw in October a couple years back when it's cold at Indian Wells or when it's night at Indian Wells, that's where the slowness reaches like a peak level, another level, right? Uh, if there's nothing else, I think we can go to the men here. All right, Professor Gill, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, Sock Barrer tonight. First of all, how do you feel about this? The seeds have buys, and it, there's 32 seeds at Indian Wells. So in a way, these first two days, if you're looking for mega star power, you just don't get it. You don't get it at all. Yeah. But I feel like today, particularly, there are all of these little juicy matchups in here that are 
are just almost low key terrific. Yeah, I'm not I agree with that. you. No, I mean Ben Shelton, Fabio Fanini is not one that you'd say is like no, you know, no, no one's gonna pay five hundred dollars to go and do watch that match. But like you know, for a day two star power match, that's that's pretty much as good as it gets. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think picking up on what you're talking about with Jack Sock, uh, I did text Mike that I am gonna be on Jack Sock money line tonight. I really like it. Uh, and as you mentioned about the slower court speeds, I think that we're really going to get peak Indian Wells in this match. I believe it's last on. Uh, if it's not last on, team is last on. But, you know, Jack has had a lot of success at this tournament before. We know he really loves high bouncing courts, which these will be. And, uh, you know, he can obviously play on, on much slower speeds. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, also last year, remember, he almost beat Stefano Sitsipas here, who is a guy who's perfectly tailored for these surfaces, um, really should have beaten him. I don't know how he didn't beat him. You know, a lot of times getting across the finish line in some of these big matches is Jack's problem. But Gregor Barrera is just not one of – Gregor Barrera is not Stefano Tsitsipas, okay? He's not a very strong player from the baseline. He had a lot of success earlier this year, indoor hardcourt swing in France where he got, you know, a lot of crowd support, a lot of uh, a lot of great support from the surfaces there with his big serve, just getting him a lot of free points. That's just not going to happen tonight. When you got a guy like Jack Sock who has a very devastating topspin forehand, he's going to win a lot of points from the baseline. I think it's just a bad matchup. And I know Jack hasn't had a great season. He switched to the Yonex racket. We've noticed, you know, a very varying levels from him. Uh, but ultimately, I just do think it, in there somewhere is a much higher level than Gregor Brer can produce on these courts. And I think it's very, very, uh, very good bet here to take him at plus one. I think I saw him at plus 158 earlier today. Uh, that's just great value. And I know that we say value all the time. And I know that people normally just attach value with plus money. But like, come on, man. Like, I, I really don't think Jack Shock, Jack Sock should be a underdog of this proportion, even with the fact that he has not played that well this year. Because Barrer, he only played really well for two weeks. And outside of that, he's been a pretty bad tennis player for a couple of years now. So uh, I think this is a great spot. Yeah, I like Sock too, by the way. We spoke to Nick Monroe on second serve last week, and he said Sock's doing really well physically. That's a nice little nugget going into this week. I think that that forehand is going to be a huge weapon to the uh, in this match. Yeah, I jumped in here, guys. Uh, I was pretty stoked to see you on both Jack Sock and Dominic team, Kenny, because uh, when, when I talked to Gil preparing for the show today, those were the two players that I would have added uh, to the end of the show uh if nobody had talked about him but then they were your two picks and and to me a lot of it comes down to well for sock he's played on that court before he's played big matches on that court he's lost some ones i mean he lost a Federer, but he's he's used to playing night matches at indian wells and, and, I and won doubles there last year didn't he if not if not mistaken did he win doubles I think, yeah I with john more mature yes. jack sock i hope and i hope he's a bit embarrassed after losing to a stockbroker in Del Rey last week or last month. Um, and then he's also got about 12,000 reasons that his wife, you know, sees with that second round money versus the first round money. She wants to hang around in the desert, and do some shopping. She doesn't want to have to get out of town and go play that challenger in the Valley, which is next week. I think he's signed up for. So uh, I just hope that sack show sock shows up. Uh, like you said, Big bouncing court. This thing should play well to his his uh, style of play, and um, and and I, I just want to see him show up. Uh, and then Dominic Team, he's won this thing before. Twenty nineteen champion. Yeah. He's also eight and one against Adrian Manorino in his career. I'm not certain why that line. Yes, he's not healthy, but I think this is the perfect court for him. It's a slow court, uh, light clay. 
but it doesn't have the instability of the footing for him. So I think if any court, a hard court, a slow hard court for him, I think is going to be ideal. Uh, and let's just, you know, let's just hope that, that, that he feels good going into this match. Let's, yeah, uh, let's, I mean, let's put a quick pin in the, the team match. And by the way, Brett Connors is, is on site. He had some, some business, real business to take care of. Uh, so we thank him for joining us and, and he is, uh, he had to bounce, um, Okay, Team Manorino, should we discuss that? I feel like there's more meat on the sock Barrera bone, but yeah, we can yeah, we can trickle back. We could do that too. Yeah, I was just uh, the only thing I was going to add was I hope it's not one of these matches where Sock goes up, you know, a double break or has a great first set and then kind of tails off physically. So I think Zach's note about you know, and and uh, Paul Anacone was also saying it on Tennis Channel during one of his Dallas matches that they really you know they obviously skipped. Australian Open, they did a lot of work physically, uh, you know, trying to get Jack back in shape. So hopefully, Zach, those, those those days are behind him and he's not going to come out strong and then tail off. But I mean, I don't know what to expect really with him anymore. Here's where I'll sort of take the other side. I'm not saying I, I like Barrer minus 180, but what I would say is uh, the books are not your friend and they have clearly taken a position here. I mean, Jack Sock, that plus 150, he's the more recognizable player. He's the American. He has yeah. uh, the, the game that clearly would, you know, you'd think would suit this court with his big heavy topspin forehand. Why is he plus 150? I think it's mainly because his record in 2023 is one and three with his only win coming over Ilya Avashka in three sets in Dallas. Barrera is a 14 and six player in 2023. The guy has been winning tennis matches. Yeah, they're indoors uh, besides Auckland, which he qualified and, and beat John Isner. Uh, but I just, I wouldn't really feel comfortable with Sock just because he is, he doesn't have the wins and, and Barrera does. And I see the line. It seems fishy to me. The only thing I would say is that, like I mentioned, like, I think the circumstances under which Barrera won those matches and are just completely different. Like he's not going to get a lot of free points off his serve on these surfaces. And I think he's going to play way more baseline points than he did in really for the entire season uh, in this match, just because of the fact that sock is a good returner. And also these are going to be slower courts. And I think that favors sock. And I think, you, you make a good point that, yes, sportsbooks are not trying to give away free money. They're not just going to give you better odds than uh, than are there. But I also do think, you know, there are a lot of people that probably just look at the record, right? They look at the, you know, they go to flash score, whatever it is, look at the head. Oh, Jack Sox hardly won this year. I'm sure people remember that he lost to a, a real estate agent. So I think that ultimately, you know, there, there definitely are a lot of factors here where I could see many people lining up to throw Barrera in a parlay. Um, take him straight up, take the take the game spread, because I think the general consensus is that Jack Sock is washed. It's now been three years since he's been trying to get back to his former level and not even close, uh, really. I mean, he, he he almost cracked the top under. I don't know if he actually ever did. So I do feel like there is sort of a narrative out there that Jack's out of shape, that he, you know, has the tendency to lose focus and then he might mail in this match. But, uh, you know, again, I just think we just look back to last year and how he performed at Indian Wells, Mike mentioned, um, you know, the, we talked about the doubles performance, you know, obviously uh, that was a, a really, really fun run for him, but uh, you know, they beat Kyrgios Kokonakis, uh, which was an epic match. And then he almost beat Tsitsipas. But yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I think, I think this is a good, good situation for him. And uh, I think as long as there, you know, Barrera is not bombing serves and, and, you know, acing him off the court, which I don't see happening with sandpaper laid down. I think that uh, Jack has a chance. 
Nice. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it is a good situation uh, for him. Zach will be right back with us. Uh, I do trust him in big matches under the lights in the U.S. Big crowd. That's yeah. that's where you want to back him because he he will hunker down and and give a hundred percent and focus and and use his talent there. Uh, so so I like that in that respect. And also I think Barrera will come forward a lot. I love Jack Sock with a target. Like he is not fun to approach. Maybe on the backhand, you can have some success there, which I'm sure Barrera will try to do. But uh, I do think he is excellent uh, when players look to attack him and come forward at finding a way around that. Yeah. And I, th- I think that, like you said, I think he'll put on a show. You know, he loves that. And, um, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I guess there's no more le- meat left on the bone. You know where I stand on this one. And uh, yeah. I think it'll be, I think it'll be, a f- I think it'll be a fun match, though. I do. I think. These are much different circumstances than Dallas, than you know Delray Beach, whatever it may be. And you know that everywhere Jack Sock goes, for some reason, people love him. There, there will be there will be a lot of Jack Sock supporters in the crowd. Doesn't matter where he is, people always you know the 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 elderly the elderly folks especially for some reason love Jack Sock. Do they? I didn't know that. They do. Uh, oh so yeah, we're, we're learning here. Okay. They do. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, now let's go to uh, uh, Team Manorino. This is so fascinating because it, it really speaks to the state of Dominic team right now. Adrian Manorino hits maybe flatter than anybody else on tour. This is Indian Wells. He hasn't had success there. Team has dominated the head-to-head. Team is a former champion in Indian, at Indian Wells. All the things that Mike pointed out. He's plus 105. I mean... Yeah. What do we do with Dominic team right now? I mean, Zach, you watched him over the golden swing. Like what was your assessment of what's happening with team? Yeah, I have to stay away from teams matches. I just like, I, he's not the same player at all. He's he's turned into like a defensive grinder with almost like no aggressiveness to his game. And it just makes me worried about how he'll hit winners and, you know, get the ball by Manorino in a match like this. But at the same time, I don't feel confident in Manorino winning. So I would just have to stay away, but I'm definitely a little bit bummed about team at this point in the season, because I thought that he would kind of, you know, be near what he was by the time French open rolls around. That smells like an over to me, Zach. If you're (laughs) saying neither one of these guys is going to, going to be able this, this, let me get the over on games played and let me get the over on, on minutes on court. I'll look it up. It right could now. be. I mean, I, I don't think that's a bad angle here. Um, and you know, yeah, you mentioned like the last time Dominic team played a match here, he won, he won the 2019 Indian Wells tournament. That was the last time he played here. And I think when you factor in a lot of things, Adrian Manorino, two straight first round exits has never been a guy that's had success here because of the courts. Um, I just think if you had the design, the perfect 
scenario for Dominic team to win a match. I think it would be here, right? He needs to get that confidence back. I do think I watched him a decent bit over golden swing as well. I think a lot of it's mental now, actually. I mean, it was physical, right? I think he was trying to build up the gas tank. He was trying to find the range on his, on his forehand and some of his, I think he's, he's found it a little bit. I mean, look, he's, he's not even anywhere close to a top 10 player right now, but I do think he's capable of winning this match. And I think we talked about Jack Sock, who is a guy that never was able to recover. Like, I think he's a little further along in his recovery than someone like Jack Sock is. And, you know, he's going to have that mental confidence coming in. He knows he's 8-0 against Adrian Manorino. The one loss that he had was a a retirement. That was when he got hurt in the first place in 2021. Potentially, through no fault of Adrian Manorino, is a little bit of a revenge match here. I'm sure he remembers that. And, you know, mentally, he's going to know he can beat this guy. Uh, he knows he won here. These are great surfaces for him. He's going to have a ton of crowd support. Remember, he beat Tommy Paul in Vienna with a great crowd behind him. Like, I just think if you had to put, if you had to just, you know, kind of put a bunch of things in a bowl to mix up, uh, you know, this perfect concoction of how does Dominic team win a match? Uh, I think it's right here. This is probably the best surface for him. As you mentioned, it's like a little bit less volatile than clay, but still plays the same and all the factors I mentioned. So that's why I'm on Dominic team here. Uh, I just, I, I think that this is maybe the match where he turns around his career again. Uh, maybe he doesn't vault into the top 50. Maybe he doesn't win Indian Wells, but I think this is a big confidence building match. And I think he wins this. Well, wouldn't that be poetic in case anybody listening uh, missed it, or I should say watching uh, missed it. Yeah. If Adrian Manorino was the opponent on the grass courts, of uh i'm actually i'm actually blanking mallorca there you go uh where dominic team hit the forehand that tore ligaments in his wrist and he has not been the same since so it would be a terrific story if a couple months from now we can point to this match against that same adrian manorino as the moment where where things turned the other way for him and by the way since the comeback his best surface has been hardcore by far. The clay has not been good. I don't know if there's anything to that. And yeah, maybe it is a mental thing. I don't know. Was he expecting too much of himself for the golden swing? Was he feeling too much pressure to just hit out on the ball and let loose? It certainly looked like that because Zach, the the assessment that, that you make about how he was playing a defensive grinder, I think that's absolutely spot on. That's what I was seeing as well. And team's not that good a player if he's going to be a defensive grinder. Needs to crush his forehand at the end of the day. Let's also just remember, too, that this guy was had a winning record last year. For all the matches that he lost on the clay to start the year, and we were all like, what, what is going on? I think, what, what was it, like nine in a row that he lost? Uh, he ended up 23 and 19 across all levels. And I know, you know, a lot of the competition um, wasn't great, you know, going to the challenger level. Uh, you know, Ryan Penniston is not exactly a Grand Slam champion. But I do think that, you know, this guy, it's not like he's looking for, um, you know, a lot of confidence. Right? I think he's just trying to mentally, this year has been a slow start, um, you know, and I think maybe that this is one place where he can just kind of lock in and and have that that sort of that ego coming in, that big head coming in. Well, I'm Dominic team. I own this guy. I own this tournament. I can win this match. But I think like we, we have to also take into account that it's not like he's just coming back from injury. Um, yeah, Clay has been terrible for him, but he also did win more matches than he lost last year. That's almost why it's been so discouraging. Now, this is yeah. more on a mental, like, narrative note. The, the fact that it's looked worse in 2023 than it did in 2022, that has been tough to see. But as a bet, you have me convinced that that Team Plus 105 is um, is is the play to make 
Uh, so I'm on Mike's he, side there. I'm going to jump in here too real quick. I mean, it's not like he lost to some nobodies. He lost to some dirt ball grinders on that Southern, on that South American swing. I mean, Juan Pablo Varias, Diego Montero is a, he's a tough out Brazilian playing in Rio. Yeah, both those I mean, guys have had great, great starts. Like they had great results in those tournaments. And Christian Green, I mean, in in Chile, that that was always going to be a tough match, even though Green is definitely uh, not been at, at peak form for a while now. But um, I don't fault him too much. I, I I give him credit for at least doing Dominic team, team things and, and playing a bunch of tournaments like he's like he's famous for doing. Uh, but let's see, let's do it, man. We got two dogs there. I love it. I'm I'm with you, Deuce. We're gonna ride this out tonight. Let's go. And um, let's take a quick glance at conditions. This is what we're expecting. Like you guys talked about it a little bit already. It gets cold there, man. It's going to get cold there yeah. and a little windier tonight. Um, th that team match is not before 6 p.m. local. The the sock match will probably probably tip off about 8 p.m. local. Um, and it's supposed to get into some maybe some some more wet conditions tomorrow out at Indian Wells. So we'll see what happens tonight. But uh, yeah. These are these are very similar to like U.S. Open. I mean, I I don't really travel on, around to a lot of tournaments, but Gil could probably confirm if he, th this is like sixty degrees, humid, and you know, kind of chilly. That's like late night U.S. Open feel. So I don't know if that helps you handicapping, but you know, I mean, I think you know Pedro Caution was a guy that really really thrived. We saw a lot of clay quarters thrive late. So I would yeah, I mean, I mean, we already know this kind of plays like clay, but um, that that that's very reminiscent of that time as well. Yeah, 59 degrees on these courts. It's the slowest hard court in the world. Like, I, I don't have any hesitation there. That's how I feel about it. And I think it, it helps sock a lot. Uh, Team Manorino, I, I don't know if I don't know what yeah. the conditions really do to that matchup, but it's got to help Jack Sock against Barrera, a guy who wants to serve big and come to the net. Let's take a look at our, our best bets for the day. Uh, I have a, a favorites parlay that we can get to in a moment. Uh, Brett is Connors is looking for Murray live. Uh, Zach, you got a lot going on there. Uh, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you have Zico that you want to uh, give a shout out to? Yeah, I, I really like Gojo to beat Gasquet today. I got that at minus 135, wrote it up last night. I think it's at like minus 170 now. Gasquet yeah. has just been, you know, struggling over the last couple of weeks. I think he's two and four in his last six matches. Didn't have success in France where you think, you know, that's where he'd play well. And then, yeah, I just think Gojo has a bigger serve and has had some time to get used to the conditions having to go through qualifiers. I, I'm a huge – yeah, let's go. Jan Leonard's truth, live on air, break and serve, Quentin Alice. I was I was a little cursed uh, because I, I had had like three straight three setters where my my the person I had bet on had had break point in the uh, first game of the final set and then just gotten absolutely rolled. Uh, so that was nice to see. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I like Goyo a lot. I think he's had a, a nice – I mean, he's a talented guy. We've seen him play at Davis Cup before um, in some of the country events, whether it be ATP Cup or, or now United Cup. He has talent, and I I also like that match. I have actually ticketed for the over. I think the the number is outrageous. It's like twenty three and a half games, so maybe the value is on the under at that point. But um, I I that that match feels to me like Goyo takes the lead, fails to close, Gasquet comes back. Goyo probably ends up winning it in three sets. On that Penny. note, I'm oh, sorry. I was just gonna say if the if the name is not on ATP uh, Tour website, I'm not gonna pronounce it right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kenny, 
I want to ask you about Kasparud. He's got a losing record in 2023. He hasn't won a match in straight sets since his first match of the year at uh, United Cup in January against Thiago Montero. It has been ugly, ugly, ugly. And Diego Schwartzman just snapped his losing streak in convincing fashion against Pedro Cachin. Why are you on Kasparud? So I am not. This is a very deceiving. I think I actually left it as a surprise. I told Mike oh, that I wanted right, to talk right, right. about this match, and I told him that I wanted to talk about the Diafa match. But I don't have actually. I don't actually think I said what I was on. Um, no. I like the Schwartzman games here. I think Zico's look on uh, Schwartzman to take a set is is pretty sharp. I'm going to be on Schwartzman plus four games or plus three and a half. If you can't get a round number. I mean, look, this is, um, you mentioned it, like Diego has looked, the last two matches, I think the the Jari match, he looked pretty solid. I mean, I think if it weren't for, the, the crowd was just really getting to Diego. They were calling out between his serves. And I mean, look, we we witnessed calling out between serves like in a lot of uh, late night matches and a lot of, you know, Golden Swing and in France, whatever. Like this was extreme. This was like very, very uh, disruptive to Diego. And I think it, if it were a neutral site, he would have won that match. Then it was a nice win last time out in the first round. Um, and yeah, I mean, you mentioned it about Casper. I think Mike said something. I forget who we were talking about, but um, we were talking about someone who was like, well, they just play a lot of matches. Like, that's just who well, they are. Used to, yeah. there, there you go. That's who Casper Rude is. Casper Rude can't, is the reason he is a top five player is because who he is is he just plays a lot, right? He played a lot of 250s. He won a lot of 250s on the clay. We all made fun of him for it for years and years. He can't play. And then. And then what happened is we might have ruined Casper or maybe it was my fault. But what happened was he spent all this time training. You know, they worked on the first it was working on the, the hardcore play with the big serve. They added some miles an hour on the serve, the forehand. That worked out really well for him. He had a nice year, year this last year. Then I, I had heard something on commentary that he went through this ridiculously rigorous training program to try to get ready for this season. And I think they pushed him too much. And I think there was too much emphasis on what was happening in the gym, what was happening off the court. He's hardly played, guys. He's only played seven matches in total, and he's three and four. And that's, I think, the record, it, it, there's no surprise, right? It's no coincidence that his record is a losing record, and he's only played seven matches this year. He needs to play more, and he looked awful in Acapulco. Now, I don't know if he just magically turns it around, but he hasn't had great results here the last two times. Right? We obviously lost to Nick Kyrgios last time. We all know what happened after that match with Kyrgios and the camera. But yeah, this is a bad spot for him. And we talked about a clay court feel. Casper uh, Root has been worse on clay courts. I don't know the record off the top of my head, but Gil, I don't know if you agree, and Zach as well. I feel like he's been worse on clay than hard courts because he spent so much time trying to tailor his game to hard courts that he's actually lost a little bit of that edge on clay. And even though he went to the finals of Roland Garros, his run there wasn't very convincing. I don't know if you guys remember, he almost lost to Joe Wilfred Sanga. So uh, he he wasn't exactly playing at a high level. He just kind of, the draw broke right for him and Holger Runa was not really ready to win that match, right? So I, I, I really like Schwartzman in this spot. I can't believe I'm saying it. It didn't look great for Casper last clay season. He took some uncharacteristic losses in the lead up to Roland Garros. And yes, the taking advantage of a good draw, making the finals in Paris kind of smooths over all of those issues. I think what Kasparu just made was a good career decision. He did not play in February. He was like, I didn't really have an off season. So I'm going to take my off season now in the long run. Good move. But in the short term, might take him a little while. He hopes Miami, but maybe more realistically, Monte Carlo, until he can get that engine fully revved up and he can start looking like Casper Rude again. So I think, Schwar first of all, uh, this is another situation where a guy who has a win under their belt in the first round uh, is facing a guy 
who had a buy and has been yeah. vulnerable and hasn't played in a while. I agree. I think it's a good spot for Diego. I like the one and a half sets. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, I need to see more from Diego before I'm just going to start pushing all my chips into the Diego Schwartzman bucket. Um, I thought I'm that happy. guy was ticketed for the challenger tour. Like a I'm happy ago. he got the win over Coria for him. Although it ruined my uh, Zico parlay. Zico, I parlayed your, uh, your three picks yesterday with Nakashima, uh, Coria, and uh, Alicia Parks, who I'm going to give myself a little props. I think fading her was a great idea last night. Um, so uh, we did good there. Um, Gil, I want to give you a quick shout out. Uh, Vavrinka got the win. So you are one leg down in your three leg parlay there. That's a nice little play you've got. Um, I love that. I don't so, like I don't like Wolf that much today though, Gil. I'm surprised. I feel like he didn't. Look, he really did not play well in Acapulco, and I don't think these are great courts for him. So I'm a little worried about the slice serve not skidding, because that's his best serve. Uh, Fuchovic has a terrible record at Indian Wells. It's like one in five or something like that. And I actually really like Wolf's forehand in these conditions. So yes, I think it hurts his serve. But I like that the ball will sit up and give him extra time. And I just think he has the best ground stroke on the court against Fuchovic, which is the forehand. And Marton, uh, he hasn't been very consistent over the course of the last year at all. So that's why I got on Wolf. I'm not a parlay guy uh, at all, but I, I looked at the board and I'm just like, yeah, I, all these favorites. So uh, yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna put him in this parlay. And that's a great I, price for a favorites parlay too, getting almost three to one. I love that. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think, I think you limit risk as well with the three-legger. Yeah, so those are great odds. And I think you're right about, I think the matches in Wolf's, in hand, is his, it's on his racket, as we would say, right? Like, if it, he, he, he dictates whether or not he wins that match because he is the better player. 100%. Um, Zico, tell us about uh, Shelby Rogers. You like what you saw yesterday? Yeah, I liked what I saw yesterday. And I think she's also 3-0 against Sakari in their, in their career heads ahead. So I just thought taking the games there is a good idea because I can see soccer, you know, beating her, but, you know, in a really tough, like, physical match. You are right. Three and oh. Interesting. That's interesting. Hmm. I and like Colin boards, Skaya. Colin Skaya, by the way, it's just the same thing as it was. She got a good look at a player that's a lot like Pushkova. So I just think that that match we saw against Alicia Parks, I think that was a good way to, you know, look at this and see value in taking her to win a set and then maybe you know win on the money line you guys bring up a good point too these these first round buys for the top 32 seeds they they come in you know on the weekend friday and saturday for the second round matches and they've got to play people that are are you know much more match fit than them on these very unique courts that's um that's an interesting angle that i think uh, we should all keep in mind uh, over the next few days yeah, a guy like uh, Marco Skirone, who looked absolutely incredible yesterday. And as as much as I love Francis Tiafo, and as much as everyone watching, I'm sure does, it is not faux season yet. We faux season is the 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 summer that is squarely Francis Tiafo season until we get Estero. there. He loves Portugal. He always plays he well. In I, I have I've actually I I'm lucky enough to say I've seen him play in Estoril before. I watched him play Nishioka in Estoril. It was a very good match. Uh, he failed to serve it out, but he won in the tiebreak. But no, I, I mean, we saw like last week, like his level is just not there. Like we, he has a top, I think he has a top 15, if not top 10 level in him, but we haven't seen it come out of him until these, you know, really towards the middle of the season. He takes a lot of time to get the engine warmed up. And Giron yesterday, I thought, I thought Kovacevic 
played an excellent match. Shout out to New York City, where I am stationed right now, uh, the Upper West Side kid. Uh, yeah, but I, look, I mean, Giron, man, like he came out with the head of steam. You want to talk about a guy that uh, I think is really going to stun Francis. I think he takes a set in that match. I think it goes, I think it goes three. Um, they've had a storied head to head. They've obviously gone uh, two and one, but this, I don't think this is the time to be to be laying it down on on Tiafa. We saw against Fritz, like he, he's just not. He's like at his like B minus game right now. He's very vulnerable. I think. Giron, SoCal guy like Taylor Fritz, they generally like this court. They're used to these these gritty Southern California hard courts. Of course, uh, the weather as well. I like it. I like it. Can we get the? Uh, well, do we have a, a Zach board? Specifically, Future. Mike. Yeah, Zach there put we this are. out on tennis.com uh, before the tournament. Why don't you give us a quick uh, breakdown, Zach? Yeah, man, I, I did this before the draws came out. And I do think that Nori has a little bit of a difficult draw for him specifically. But yeah, I took the two guys that we've seen playing really well in the last couple of weeks. Alcaraz, I just thought that that value at plus 650 is pretty absurd. I mean, if he's going to be playing in this tournament, I think that that means that his team is really comfortable with him being on the court, not, you know, not risking further injury. And that's like just that that's not a number you're going to get on him if he is completely healthy. So, you know, that's a good value play. And then Nori, just a dart throw at plus 3,100. Former won this tournament before. Yeah, won this tournament before. Just played unbelievable on clay with a win over Carlos, who's not at 100%, but still impressive. And yeah, I just think these conditions really suit him well. And then Iga, I don't even know if I have to say anything about her. This, <laughs> I think she's going to run through this tournament really easily. But if she doesn't, I like Coco a little bit as a, as a dart throw, just because the slower courts should allow her to like set her, set her feet, hit that forehand with a little more confidence. I like it, Zach. I do. I I'm actually not too, I'm not in the futures market, but I, I would play Nori. And I also, the two darts I had were uh, Rublev and Hatchinoff, the two mm -hmm. uncountried players because of yeah. uh it, it's it's a weird it's a weird it's, it's always a weird draw here it has been the last two years that's why we saw cam and taylor fritz win right like you know carlos i think is vulnerable with the injury medvedevs is bad on slow on slow hard courts he's two straight third round exits here right like anything could happen so yeah throw, throw a dart i do have things getting pretty crazy uh on monday match analysis i went with alejandro davidovich fakina to the semifinals. one of the boldest how do you fade you I'm not going to cut you off I, for that one. I made him a dark horse. I made Ebing Wood dark horse. Uh, I actually wasn't sure if he was going to get through Munar, though. I had that. I said the dark horse is the winner of Wu and Munar. Eh. And it goes to a third set tie break. And that was. Oh, that you know, maybe if we have video replay, you know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Exactly. He, he was, he was going to win that way. match. Wu, Wu had him all the way. Hey, how about the how about the show coming full circle? I start off asking, uh, do we handicap this the same as Clay and Zico? For uh, to win the women's title goes with the Roland Garros final. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Clay Court I don't even know if you of course. Realize, but we we've been talking for the last fifteen minutes and like we've almost been calling it a clay tournament too. Yeah. <laughs> it, but it is like it, it, nothing about it. Nothing about it is a hardcore tournament, right? Like nothing. Like it's it's yeah. like you can't think about it like that. There's you're just gonna, you're there's lose. one thing. I'll, I'll put one thing. A guy like Taylor Fritz, who I'm going to borrow a Maria Sharapova phrase on clay moves like a cow on ice skates does not move poorly at indeed wells so exactly. that's the only difference like that's the only difference but exactly. speed wise bounce yeah it's the same that's fair right, let's take a look at uh what we got on tennis channel maybe one more time as we wrap things up again yeah. this day it's a it's an enthusiast's day 
of tennis. Andy Murray, Tomas Martin, Echeverry, Echeverry had a really awesome golden swing playing the best tennis of his life. Murray has just had an unbelievably noteworthy 2023. Uh, we've discussed Stevens Kennan. We discussed Sock Barrer. Uh, the replay of this will be up on YouTube if you joined us late live. We discussed Radu Kanu uh, Kovinic. Shelton Fanini will be fun. Shelton, I, I believe, is around minus 330 in that one. Uh, guys, this has been a lot of fun. You can catch Kenny Ducey and all of his plays. He does an incredible job at patreon.com slash Kenny Ducey. Zach Cohen's work is at tennis.com at tennis bets on Twitter is where you can see all of his articles teased. You can also follow Zach's personal account at underscore Zico. Thank you as always to Mike for producing tennis bets. Shout awesome out show. Brett Connors real quick. Oh, yeah. Manage Connors podcast. He and Jimmy are out there. I think they're doing a show later today from site. Um, and it was nice to have Brett. He's going to be uh, definitely checking out that Andy Murray match uh, and looking to get okay. in live as he is wont to do. I think I think I think Etch-a-Sketch is kind of live to win that match, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. And by the way, we're doing shout outs. Deucey, you love your dogs, man. Deucey's dogs. I, you should start a kennel. I, I, I should, I should. I, I I was actually deathly afraid of dogs, and now here I am playing Jack Sock. <laughs> I, I do think, uh, while we're doing shout-outs, biggest Fordham men's basketball game in, like, 30 years tonight. Quarterfinals of the 8-10 tournament. Go Rams. Rams money. There you go. Wow. What, what is going on in Fordham? I mean, I see the, the place is a sellout. It's like Cameron Indoor suddenly this year. I don't <laughs> know is. what happened. Nice. Everyone for the all the since I started there, right? Everyone was like, "Well, you know, this place if they fill it up, it's no one wants to play here because it's like a three thousand seat little court. It's like a high school gym." And the problem was no one ever came. And now they're selling out the. It's not hard to sell out. It's only three thousand seats. Now we're selling out, and it's like no one wants to play there. It's loud. It's it's very loud. So Barclays is going to be packed tonight. I'll be there. Looking forward to it. March and, Madness, um, guys. This is the best month of the year, maybe, for sports. Very underrated with, with all the great college basketball and now with Indian Wells. And we'll follow this up with Miami. I mean, you can't go wrong in the tennis calendar. The only thing we don't have is football. Well, unless you count Pre the Premier XFL. League, Mike. XFL, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, we got I got Champions, Champions League. crushing you right now. <laughs> I love the soccer. Don't get me started on soccer. It, I was just talking World Baseball Classic. I was just talking about this last night, how this is absolutely, without a doubt, the single greatest moment to be a sports fan. These, these few weeks here, this month, really. Sunshine Double, though. I mean, come on. It yeah. doesn't get any better than the Sunshine Double. All right. I don't know. I might take January, but it's debate for another time. Because like Jim Beheim, we are out. Thank you for so, so much for uh, watching Tennis Bets. Good luck, everybody. Hope you hit some winners. We'll see you next time.